we're going to start our year off focusing on God as a church. We took the whole church and we put everyone in the prayer groups because we're going to pray to God. We're going to take our worship higher to God and we're going to get close to each other. Some of us are in groups. We may not have fellowshiped each other before. We're going to be in prayer groups together. I encourage you, don't ask to leave the group. Stay with your brothers and sisters. Get to know somebody. Is that all right? Amen. It's only for a little while. But get to know your brother. They won't bite. At least some of them won't. But for the most part, they won't bite. You won't catch anything. Stay there. Pray together. Let's worship God together. Amen. Let's go to God with the word of prayer. Then we're going to jump into my message. Our Heavenly Father, God, we're just so grateful uh, for you calling us out of darkness and into your wonderful light. Father, I pray that your spirit will lead me, that he will speak through me, that he'll give me the strength that I need to encourage, inspire, challenge, call higher, and to remind us of how great we have it living in your love. Father, I know that there's some of us here today who are visiting for the first time who may not have given you a chance before, who, who may have reservations about religion and about the Bible and about Jesus. And we ask that you will clear up some of those reservations this morning, that you'll inspire their hearts to live a life of impact. God, I pray that you'll call us all higher through your word this morning. It's in Christ Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. The theme of our year is vertical. Vertical. Vertical, the definition simply means something that rises straight up. This year, that something will be the Harlem region of the New York City Church of Christ. We're going to rise straight up starting with our prayers. We're going to get a little inward so that we can be better suited, better prepared to be more focused outward. Our theme is simply vertical. We're going to reignite our passion for God. Mark 12, verse 30, will be our focus scripture for this year. Mark 12, we're going to be able to memorize this scripture back and forth by the end of this year. It simply says, love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The message version says this, so love the Lord with all your passion and prayer and intelligence and energy. Because God first loved us, our response should be nothing less than to passionately pursue him. The creative force behind all great art, all great drama, all great music, all great architecture, all great writing is passion. Nothing great has ever been accomplished in this life without passion. Nothing great is ever sustained in this life without passion. Passion is what energizes life. Passion makes the impossible possible. Passion gives you a reason to get up in the morning and think, I'm going to make a difference with my life. Without passion, life is boring. It's uninteresting. It becomes routine. It becomes dull. God created you with the ability to have passion in your life. And he wants you to live a passionate life. 
You know, passion is what rallies armies into action. Passion is what causes explorers to boldly go where no man has gone before. Passion is what causes scientists to spend sleepless nights trying to find cures for a deadly disease. Passion is what causes scientists and NASA to spend countless resources to try to put a man on the Mars. Passion is what takes a good athlete and turns him into a record-breaking athlete. You've got to have passion in your life. You know, when the teacher of the law asked Jesus which of the laws were most important, Jesus quotes the one calling us to be passionate about our relationship with God. He says nothing else matters more than that. That's the number one thing. Be passionate about God. Be passionate about God, and then you'll be passionate for your fellow neighbors. You see, God doesn't want us to love him half-heartedly or only when he answers our prayers. He wants us to love him with all of our hearts, all of our souls, all of our mind, and all of our strength. God is saying that I want, to put, I want you to put some effort into our relationship. Put some energy in our relationship when you pray. Don't pray when you're tired and you're distracted. Give me your heart. Give me your focus when you read. Read when you got time. Read when you're awake. Throw some water on your face. Put your head in the freezer. I don't care what you got to do, but show some effort because I love you. I want to hear from you. I want to spend time with you. And I want you to want the same with me. God wants us to give it all we've got. You know, Jesus is saying, if you're going to follow me, you've got to do it with passion. Or else you'll burn out halfway through this thing. Colossians 3.23, turning your Bibles there. Colossians 3.23. I know you're like, James, we don't have to turn. It's right behind you. I like to open my Bible up. Colossians 3, verse 23. This is what the word says. Let me go a little verse before it. It says in verse 22 to make sure you guys have your Bibles open. In verse 22 it says, Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything. And do it not only when their eye is on you to win their favor, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. Whatever you do, Work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord and not man. God does not want our motivation to come from people pleasing. He does not want your motivation for coming to church or being on time to church or, or showing up for fear of being judged by others. God is saying, no, I want you to do what you do because you love me. And when you do it, do it with all your heart. Doesn't it make a difference when you do something with all your heart rather than just doing something half-hearted? Who here likes half-hearted results? When you go to the restaurant, you give that, the waiter or waitress a decent tip because they served you better than you had expected. But if they just half-heartedly served you, you would not want to reward that. You'll get on Yelp and be like, don't come here. Food is great. Service is lousy. 
We, we make it known and we identify and we point out half-hearted efforts. When we're watching our sports, our favorite sports team or, or, or something that we're passionate about, and we look at the half-hearted effort, we want to throw something at the TV because we can identify half-hearted efforts. And I think the worst is to be on the receiving end of half-hearted results. Imagine taking your car to the, to the mechanic and he don't, did a half-good job. He didn't give you an oil change. He gave you an oil exchange. He exchanged that, some of that good oil with some oil he had laying around. Hey, there's oil. And he didn't care. Or you go to the car wash, you wash your car, they only wash half of the car. We don't like that. We don't like that. Half-hearted teachers teaching our children. We're up at that. Uh, can we have a meeting or some sort of conference with these teachers? Because my children is not being taught right. We point it out. We see it. And you know what? God sees it too. God sees half-hearted efforts and results. And he's saying, guys, don't I deserve all your heart? Don't I deserve every effort? You know, the amazing thing in America is that it's okay to be, a pa is okay to be passionate about anything except God. In America, one nation under God is on our currency. To be passionate about God is not politically correct anymore. Yeah, I can be passionate about movies. I can be passionate about sports. I can paint myself orange and blue and go to a Knicks game and people will be like, that dude is fired up. I'm sitting next to him. He's passionate. Nobody's going, oh, or stay away. I can be passionate about politics. I can rally. I can post. I can say how I feel about elections and everything. Nobody would say, James, calm down. That's not right. I can be passionate about shoes like some of you are. Closets full, it's all right. Just wear all of them. Passionate about clothes, right? We want to look sharp, nothing wrong with that. I can be passionate about food, and yes, I am very passionate about it. But I can't be passionate about God. In our culture today, it's okay to be passionate about anything except your faith. Except your relationship with God. I, can't, I can talk about the game last night, how upset I was, or how excited I am when they win. But talk about how great your quiet time that was that morning, and people start getting uncomfortable. Ooh, stay away from me. You might get Jesus on me. Like Jesus is the cooties or something. Kids go to high school afraid to talk about Jesus because in their schools, you don't talk about God here. You might offend some people. 
or people find out you're a Christian, they change their whole perspective about you. They put you in the same box that they themselves don't want to be put into. You don't want me to judge you, but you, in reverse, judge me because of my faith. We can still get along. Just don't get on me when I talk about Jesus. It's something I'm passionate about. Romans 12. Look over there. Romans 12, verse 1. You guys awake this morning, right? All right. I just want to make sure. Romans 12, verse 1. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Actually, that's a mistype there. It should be Romans 13. I'm sorry, Romans is right. Oh, what up? What am I reading? All right, well, you got the Bible. You see, never be lacking in zeal or your spiritual fervor. You know, this can be translated as allow oneself to be set on fire by the Spirit. Allow yourself to be set on fire by the Spirit. You know, this is not automatic. It's a choice. It's a discipline. It's something you have to practice. You're not, by nature, passionate about God. You don't automatically wake up in the morning passionate about God. You have to train your heart. You have to train your mind. You have to condition your soul. You have to reserve your energy in order to be passionate about God. You can't go to bed at 4 o'clock in the morning and wake up the next morning passionate about your quiet times. You just can't do that consistently. You know, for some of us, we were excited like I was when we first made Jesus Lord of our lives. Oh, my goodness. I couldn't stop talking about it. It was so bad that my friends videotaped me and started drilling questions. Why are you, why are you so excited all of a sudden about your relationship with God? Talk to us about it. We want to videotape this. And they were doing it because they didn't think I was going to last. They thought it was just hype. They thought I was just going through the motions. I was just going through some changes. And 20 years later, I'm still fired up about God. Still reaching out to those very people about God. Yes, I am still passionate about him. Play the tape back. Rewind it. I'm still going. Yes, I had some ups. Yes, I've had some downs. But I am still passionate for God. You know, that's not the case for everybody. Some of us have gone cold. Some of us are going through a cooling phase. And maybe you're not as passionate. Maybe somebody in fellowship said something that put your fire out. Maybe they saw you too excited about a song. What happened to the tambourine that was playing? You used to have somebody clanging up. What happened? Come on, girl. I mean, it's like that, you know, it's like that, that SNL skit. I need more cowbell. I need more tambourine. I'm like, come on, man. I mean, I think some of us don't do things out of fear of being called out of our passion. 
Come on, if you love God and you stand before God, you think he's going to say, well, okay, I understand nobody else brought their tambour or they, no one else brought their cowbells. Or no, no, God's going to say, why? This is us. This is us. If they don't want to do that, that's them. I'm talking about me and you. What do I inspire you to do? I put a fire in your heart. Don't let anybody put that out. I put it in your heart. I did. I put it in it. Don't let anyone snuff out God's fire that he put in your heart. You know, we're going to look at today, God willing, we'll get enough time to look at a few, but I want to talk about some passion killers in a second. Because we gotta, we got to be honest. we got to identify what these things are. You might fit in one of these areas. There's a lot of them. I'm just going to look at a few, as time permits. Because I think that there's some of these passion killers that are, that are, that are killing our passion right now. And you can reignite your fire for God. It doesn't have to take a year. It doesn't even have to take you going to another church to get inspired and then come back. You can do it right here. Right here. You know, let me tell you something. I visit other churches, other ministries, and I always come back thinking, man, we could, it'd be awesome we can do this. It could be awesome when we do that. But you know what? That's their thing, and we got our thing. We just need to make our thing awesome. We just got to keep strengthening our strengths and work on our weaknesses. You know, it would be boring if every church was exactly the same. I think it's great that we have strengths in every area. We can just, that was, that's what makes our fellowship unique. That's what makes it incredible. You may come from a church where you're used to hearing a, a, a band or an orchestra or whatever, or just all hymns, and then we ha- you got Henry come up here singing glory, glory, and that just flipped your whole world upside down because you're not used to hearing that soulful singing. Or well, some of you may have come and say, well, I'm not impressed. I mean, you know. <laughs> hey, look, 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 that's fine. I'm happy with our group. I can hear our sing. We can have a whole church with them saying, yeah, it'll kill them. Our choir pass out. But I can, hear our, I can hear our worship all day, every day. I've come from all that. And look, it just makes a difference when you're singing with passion inspired by God. And I'm not saying other people don't. I'm just saying you've got to decide what's good enough for you, what's most important. You know, we're going to start a, 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 ser- um, a sermon series in the next two weeks called American Idols. And we're going to take a deeper look into the idols that may be taking root in our hearts, keeping us from loving God wholeheartedly. Under every sin, there is a deep-rooted idol. Every idol in our life threatens to steal our hearts from God. And this year, we're breaking up those, those qualities that Jesus says, heart, soul, mind, and strength. We're going to break it up. Throughout the whole year, we're going to spend the first three months focused on the heart. And then we're going to look at the soul, another quarter. And then we're going to look at the soul and then the mind. And, and we're, going to, we're going to break this thing up. We're going to really focus our passion on God. Because Satan wants to take us out, and he is relentless. He's relentless. 
So let's look at a few of these passion killers and what can keep us from having that continuous passion for the Lord. The first thing is an unbalanced schedule. An unbalanced schedule. You know, that means that this basically means that either you're overworked or you're underworked. Either way, either extreme will, will steal your passion for God. You know, there's a season for everything the Bible says. There's a rhythm to life. You can't go full throttle all the time. And neither can you cruise through life. You've got to find a perfect balance. You know, the speed limits on our street and highways, somebody just didn't roll a bunch of dice or cast lots and say, what speed limit do we want to put? No, they thought about, okay, well, what is a safe medium where if, God forbid, there was an accident, we would reduce the amount of, tr- of, of fatalities? What's a safe, you know, what's a safe medium? What's a, a, a balanced mile per hour speed limit? And so we take, they take all these things in consideration. We need to do the same thing. You've got to find some balance in your life. You can't run your kids around all over the place and expect them to be happy the next morning. And then you can't keep them at home all the time and do nothing and expect them to be fired up about God. You've got to find a balance. There's a season for everything. You need both rest and you need work. And too much of either will cause you to lose your passion. Too much work will cause you to lose your passion. Too much nothing, you'll get bored. You'll, it will, you'll you just burn it. you just get disinterested. And my guess in a crowd this size is half of us need to work less and half of us probably need to work more. We're all different. Some of you guys are always going. You got this going, that going on, that going on. And that's like my head is spinning, listening to all the things you're into. And then there's some, what you doing? Yeah, I'm just chilling. You were doing that yesterday, and the last time I asked you, you know, just just chill, just chill, enjoying life, loving the Lord with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. Look over at Psalm, Psalm 127. Psalm 127. I love this scripture right here. The New Living Translation, it says, It is useless for you to work so hard from early morning until late at night, anxiously working for food to eat, for God gives rest to his loved ones. You know, God wants you to get rest. That's why he instituted the Sabbath in the Old Testament. He wanted, because he rested when he created everything, he wanted his people to have a day where they rest and they just focused on him. You know, sometimes you need to take time away from everything and just reconnect with God. You just need to shut it all down. Go for a walk somewhere if you, and if you can afford to, maybe get away on a personal retreat. You don't have to go far, just somewhere where you can be alone and reconnect with God. Sit in the silence of God. I've done personal retreats. I've broken it up in ways. I've gone on prayer walks. I've, I've prayed for hours. I've read for hours. And then I've just sat and just stared out at God's, God's amazing creation. And just let God talk to me. Just listening for the Spirit to lead me and guide me and encourage me and strengthen me. You know, Jesus often 
went off to solitary places where he could pray. You know, some of us, we have, we have families and, and no families have needs. And you may find it hard to eke out some time with God. You need to make this a practice where you can go and take some time with just you and God. You know, some of, some of us, the problem is we're, we're, we're giving out too much. You're always giving. You never say no. You're always helping. You're always sharing. You're always serving. You're always working. You're always being generous. You know, sometimes you need to stop and let people give to you. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with allowing people to help you. You may realize that you have a lot more needs than you realize, that, you, that, that are being met. There's nothing wrong with that. You know, there's, a, there's such a thing called compassion fatigue. You ever heard of that? Those of you in medical profession have probably heard of compassion fatigue. There's a paper that was published in the Rehab and Community uh, Care Medicine uh, magazine, and it says, compassion fatigue has been described as the cost of caring for others in emotional and physical pain. It is characterized by deep physical and emotional exhaustion and a pronounced change in the helper's ability to feel em empathy for their patients, their loved ones, and their co-workers. It is marked by increased cynicism at work, a loss of enjoyment of our career, and eventually can transform into depression, secondary trauma, uh, traumatic stress, and stress-related illnesses. The most insidious aspect of compassion fatigue is that it attacks the very core of what brought us into this work, our empathy and compassion for others. The same thing can happen in church. You're running around taking care of everybody, making sure this one is okay. You got a phone call, this one, that, you're running over there, you're, you're, you're doing this, you're doing that, and you're trying to keep yourself healthy, you're trying to keep, you're, you're taking care of this one, and, and people aren't changing, and you're trying to, you're, you're praying with them, you're reading with them, you're, you're, you're spurring them on a good deed, you're doing everything you can. And then finally, you start to notice something. I don't want to talk to people anymore. Man, you know, I don't feel like going to church this morning. I need a day off. I need a break. And the very thing that used to motivate you to serve is now slowly dying because you're doing too much. You're doing too much. You know, there's a, a great thing about being a servant. We're all called to serve, all of us. And there's a reason for that. So that there are no one, there's no one burning out from doing too much. If five people aren't serving, that's one person making up for five people. If 10 people aren't doing anything, if 10 people aren't helping their brothers and sisters in Christ grow, somebody's got to help that person. And it's usually the people who are already helping other people. And then what you find is 5, 10, 15 years down the line, we have these burnt out disciples who are now sitting needing to be helped because they burned themselves out helping everybody else. And if those who are sitting down just taking 
don't wake up, then they find themselves sitting next to the person who was helping them five years ago. We got to have balance. And let me tell you, it's okay to say no. I would love to spend an hour with you, bro, but I need a nap. I did a funeral last night, and I'm feeling some things. I got a lot of other things to do, and I would love to. It's not you. It's me. No. And you know what? You got to be all right with that. It's okay. But here's the thing. (laughs) You can't always say no. You can't always say no. You know, there's some people. On a, now, there's the opposite side of the coin where there's some of us who come and all we do is get, take. We listen to sermons. We go to seminars. We go to conferences. We go online. We listen to sermons. We, 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 we take, we take, we take. And we don't lift a finger to serve. And you know what happens to those people? They become very cynical because they're part of the problem and not part of solving the problem. It's easy to sit back and see all the things that's wrong when you're not responsible for any of it. It's easy to sit and point out all the things when you're not there working. You have a, see, the people who are working have a, their vision is on what they're doing. So when you're not doing, you can stand back and look at everything else. Oh, you got to fix that. You got to clean that. You got to do that. Because you're in the background. When you're up and close in it, yeah, of course you're going to miss some things because you're involved. But when you're not involved, you can step back and look at everything else that's wrong. But what are you doing about it? What are you doing with all those conference notes that you had? What are you doing with last week's message? What are you doing with your quiet time? What are you doing with the love and comfort that someone gave you? You know, the Bible says that we're comforted so that we can comfort others. We're not just comforted just to, just to take The whole purpose of receiving comfort is so that we can be encouraged and built up so that we are energized to go and comfort other people. You don't just sit there and just, give me, give me, give me. Give me your faith. Give me your comfort. Give me your encouragement. Give me your energy. You know what they call those people? Holy rollers. Because they get so bloated with all the stuff that they've, all the spiritual food they ate, we got to roll them down the aisles. I don't know where you're at today. Either you may be too much output and not enough input, or you got too much input and not enough output. I don't know, but you got to decide that, and I'm sure God will help you out. But I do want to spur you on in James chapter 4, verse 17. Yeah, I'm not going to make it through this whole message. Uh, this has got to be part one and part two. James 4, verse 17. And Mouty back there looking at his watch like, bro. <laughs> James 4, James four seventeen says, 
Anyone then who knows the good he ought to do and doesn't do it, sins. You know, we got some Christians here that should be so full of energy (laughs) that we can't contain you. Because you have been doing nothing. You should be the most rested, strong, enthusiastic Christians in the building. Some of us are tired. We're not uncommitted. We're not lazy. We're tired. It takes energy to sit down with someone for two hours to help them do the thing that they said they were going to do when they first became a Christian. Some of us have never sat down with show, or hadn't sat down in years with someone to open up the Bible and show them what God's love can do in their life. you got a whole lot of energy that you need to use. If there is good you know you need to do, you got to do it. Or God is going to hold you accountable for it. He's going to ask you, just like the parable of the temp- with the man with the talents, what did you do with what I left you? Well, I was discouraged. I was going through some... Th- okay, come on. I'm still waiting for a good excuse. What's your excuse? You know, we'll, we'll, we'll lose our passion if we don't find a healthy balance. You cannot do everything. You can't. But you also have to guard your heart against bitterness and resentment to the brothers and sisters who aren't doing anything. We still need you. But I want to encourage you to pray for God to send more workers. That's what Jesus said. Send more workers. God, spur the hearts of my brothers and sisters who aren't doing. Maybe they feel like they don't know what to do. Maybe they're being, they're they're waiting for five years to be asked to do something. Well, if that's the case, then ask somebody to do something. You know who they are. Ask them. You know, five years, I I noticed you hadn't done anything. Do you want to do something? With all that energy, all that stored up energy you got? Let me tell you, yesterday was a rare day in the Warren household. We actually had nothing planned. I couldn't believe it. I'm checking my calendar. I'm like, I forgot to put something in here. My son had a basketball game in the morning, and that was it. We came home. My wife was still in her pajamas. I'm like, come on, girl. I kicked off my shoes. I've spent more time with my son, and I'm like, see ya. And I went, and I took a nice nap. I'm like, we, it's crazy. Every day you got something in it. On your weekends, I'm like, when do we get a day off? You got back to back to back to back, and then I got to come all during, you know, all, all full of zeal and passion, preaching the word of God. I mean, come on, man, take a day off, relax, rest. If you volunteer for hope, make sure you show up there, though, and then you go home. Then you go home and you relax. 
Point number two. Point number two, unused talent. Unused talent. First Peter chapter 4, verse 10 and 11. First Peter 4, verse 10 and 11. I think we'll wrap it up here and we'll pick us up next time we're together. I got to lie, I don't want to cut this short. This is good stuff right here. Good stuff. All right, point number two. Unused talent. First Peter 4, verses 10 to 11. New Living Translation says, God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to do what? Make money. Build your business. No. Serve one another. Do you have the gift of speaking? Then speak as though God himself were speaking through you. Do you have the gift of helping others? Do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies and then take it out. Then everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. All glory and power to him forever and ever. Amen. Not using your talents will cause you to lose your passion for life and your passion for God. You know, there have been surveys taken, asking people, finding, trying to find people who are actually working in a career that they're passionate about. One survey uh, came back with 70% of the people were not. No, 30% of the people were working in a field where they felt they were passionate about. That means 70% of the people that were surveyed felt like they were not using their talents. That they were not using, you know what's going to end up happening? Those people are not going to stick around for long. They're going to search until they find a career that matches their passion. See, now God gives each of us and everybody here. Don't let me, don't, I want to hear nothing. I don't know my talent. Everybody has talent. And God has given each of us certain talent, abilities, a personality, and gifts not to be used for your own benefits. They're for the benefit of others. My gifts are for your benefits and your gifts are for mine. But we're to use these gifts to serve other people. Now here's the thing. You're not going to be able to use all your gifts on Sunday service. You're not even, you may not even be able to use all of your gifts in, in the church. But there are lots of other people who need to be served. Jesus was a carpenter. You can't tell me that Jesus didn't make a few tables for some widows. You can't tell me that Jesus didn't serve in some way or that, that, that he didn't use his, his gifts in ways to serve. His mother at the wedding pointed a problem to Jesus and said, you know, they're out of wine. Jesus, why are you including me? Because I know you can do something about it. And what did Jesus do? He used his gift to meet a need. We don't know if they were his friends or not. But he used his gift to serve. And he did the best. He did the best. He didn't just give them the house wine. They were like, what kind of wine is this? Is this from Damascus? Like, you know, I mean, like, where did this come from? Pharaoh's table? I mean, Jesus didn't just do anything half-hearted. He gave them the best 
When we don't have an opportunity to use our talent, we get bored. We become disinterested. You get discouraged. You see, God didn't give us these abilities for us to sit on them and do nothing about them. So I want to encourage you. Look, for example, if you love working on cars, you can volunteer to repair some single mother's cars for free. It's serving, right? I remember, I don't know if there's a brother who used to be in, in Harlem, Carl Prout. You guys remember Carl? Carl used to take old computers and put them together and give them to single moms. He had the resources. He, he worked in the field. He was excellent at it. He would put computers together, and he would give them to single moms. They weren't max. They weren't the best, but they were something. It was something. You know, there, there are people in our fellowship who could use your talents. My wife's car has been in the shop for over two months. I could use your talent, but no, 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 I don't. Just forget I scratched that from the tail, because I don't want anybody to say, oh, well, I did this for James. No, no, no. That's all right. There's, there are other people more in need than I am. There are single parents who can use your talents. Maybe they don't have to take their car to the, to the garage to get an, uh, to the mechanic to get an oil change. You can do that because you love working on cars. Use your gift. If you love to paint, why not host art classes at nursing homes? Why not host art classes for teens or people interested? You can do that if you love, if you're passionate about art. There are people who are who, in nursing homes who never hear from their families. They're forgotten. They don't have anyone to visit them. And just a few moments, painting some trees, painting beaches, just, they just want your time. But that's the way you can use your gifts to serve. If you love to cook, come to 125 Van Cortland Park Avenue. If you love to cook, take, look, teach a cooking class for newlyweds. Find us the sisters, and they may, well, they may not be newlyweds, but some sisters who want to learn to cook. You can teach a cooking class. Have some sisters over your house, maybe a couple at a time. Let me show you how to make some rice and beans the real way. And then you show them how to cook that thing, man. If you love to cook, you got a talent for cleaning, show brothers and sisters how to clean. Offer to go to their house. No, you got to move that thing from the wall and get behind there. There's dust behind there. You got to get behind. Don't sweep it all under the thing. Get behind it. I mean, some of you, are, your, your homes, you can eat off the floor. And in some of our places, well, you know, let's just say we could use some encouragement. But if you have a gift, you can organize you can go to some people's house and say, look, girl, I can help you out with this. Brother, I can help you get all that situated. If it's a gift of administration, you can use that gift to serve. If you love to fix things, you're a handyman. Volunteer to do some repairs in some of our elderly Christians' homes. Because they're waiting on their, their landlords to get to it, and it's been a while. Just work yourself through the fellowship. Hey, sis, how's it going? Do you have any home repairs that you need done? I got a few hours this week. I can come by and I can do a little bit for you. That, 
doesn't take a lot, but you're using your gift to serve. If you love to teach the Bible, you're passionate about teaching the Bible, start a small group on your job. When I was a young Christian, I was so passionate about the Bible, I just wanted to teach somebody. So I started a small group on my job. It's just a few of us. It wasn't some big explosive group. It was just a few of us who got together at our lunch break and I opened the scriptures and just taught them what I was learning. People are hungry for God's word. People on your job could use some scriptures and encouragement. You don't have to go. You don't have to be a theologian or, or, or a scholar to teach somebody a few things about God's love. How about coming up with some quiet times for brothers and sisters who may be weak in their faith? How about coming up with some parenting devotionals for for some parents in the church or parents in the community who may be interested? You have a talent. There is a need for that talent. Stop making excuses because it's killing your passion. If you're waiting for someone to tap you on the shoulder and say, hey, first of all, look, We all have the spirit of God. I don't have the spirit of seeing talents in people. I need to know what you can and can't do. We could probably use you, but we'll never know if you don't make it known. We'll never know. See, the reality is you're never going to find a job that uses 100% of your talent. You're never going to find a job that's 100% fulfilling. That's very rare. Because God never meant for you to find your fulfillment in a career. So, yes, you may be unfulfilled at your job because God's never intended for you to be fulfilled that way in the first place. He wants to be the one that fills your life. Your life is more than your job. You have a ministry. He wants to give you a ministry that you can serve and meet needs. That's why we need. Brothers and sisters to step up using their talents because no job could possibly use all the talents that God has given you. Some of us may be wasting away, discouraged, because we're not using what God gives us. And this fire is burning in us. It's burning in us. Use that thing. Use whatever God gave you to encourage and serve others. Brothers and sisters, we're going to pick, pick this up in two weeks. We'll just mush, move our, our series back a week. I love you guys. I thank you for your time and attention. To God be the glory.